Hey everyone, if you're enjoying the Once in Future Nerd, you might enjoy this show from our friends. Get ready for a new blend of superhero action and drama. Hey everybody, this is Lauren from Nerds on a Roll, part of the Spark Network. We're a bunch of superhero geeks playing Masks, A New Generation, a game all about social drama and the stress of being a teenager with superpowers. <coughs> Meanwhile, in Halcyon City... Seen that face. Seen it on the dimes. What's eating you? You did good. Some don't see it that way. Nighthawk's a pissant. Bronze Age heroes. They didn't have to deal with what we have to deal with. Dude, what the f***? They were attacking us. I had to do something. Did you throw me? I uh, had to save you. By throwing me into a horde of zombies. I threw you towards the goal. I knew you could handle the rest. Just because you're okay with the rest of the world knowing what you are, doesn't mean I am. Or that I have to do. You can find Nerds on a Roll wherever you get podcasts, and make sure to rate and subscribe. The Once and Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. The Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 2 What Used to Be Enough Part 4 by Rhiannon Angel, Zach Glass, Ian Harkins, Christian T. Kelly Madeira and Gregory M. Schultz We return once more to the tent near Freehold, wherein Regan's wounds were being tended. And that introduction is going to apply on several levels because I'm a good narrator, and I love you. Got your brandy. Give it here. You made a deal? Okay, you wanna... You done? Yeah. Should I pour you this drink, or is that a capital offense too? Deal was I decide what a sip is. Fine. Need anything else? Need? No. Great. Don't drink yourself to death. Wait. I like it better when we're talking. Okay. Is there something you'd like to talk about? Look, I said I shouldn't have drawn on you. You didn't deserve it, but you know why I did it. I just thought we were past deadly weapons is all. <laughs> I'm never past deadly weapons. You know things about me I've never told anyone. Because I trusted you. And then you turn around and threaten to kill me? I didn't ask for your trust. Then don't be surprised when we don't talk. Stop taking everything personal, okay? I'm real good at taking care of myself. People around me, not so much. Just who I am. I don't know how to break this to you, but lately you've kind of fallen off your taking care of yourself game. So as long as you don't have hands, you'd better start getting used to the general concept of friendship. Useful strategies for friendship include gratitude and humility and apologies. They usually don't include jujitsu and knives. You have boring friends. I'm trying here, Regan. You gotta be at least a little open with me. I'll try again later, I guess. Okay, you want open? I watched my eight-year-old sister shit herself to death in a rat-filled alley. She ate something rotten because I couldn't find her a decent meal. I was ten. That open enough? 
I, after that, I kind of stopped planning to die of old age. Not trying to kill myself, you understand, just sort of knowing for a fact I was going to die young. By all rights, that fire in the forest should have been it for me. Would have been without you. And Nia. And Brennan. And now I have to admit I'm glad it wasn't. So I guess that's my fucked up, backward way of saying thanks. Well, you're welcome. I wasn't going to just let you die. Like I said, thanks. I should say, not that I didn't overreact, but general rule about touching people who don't want to be touched. I know. I know you're right. You'd think I would know better. Sorry. Forget it. I'd say we're even. We're all works in progress, I guess. And I know I'm not always the easiest to run with. (laughs) You are goddamn impossible sometimes. But you also might be the baddest bitch I have ever met. And God help me. I think I admire you. Well, you could do worse, I guess. You could do better, but you could also do a fuck of a lot worse. Whatever happened when you were ten wasn't your fault. I know what you're trying to do, and I appreciate it. But not tonight. Tonight, Maggie gets very, very drunk. You're welcome to join me. Uh, uh, Would you like me to pour the drinks? Yeah, that'd be good. To something resembling friendship. Uh, What's that? What's what? Poking out from your leg? I'm just real happy we made up is all. Regan, you made a deal. Fine. Regan rooted around in her trousers for a long, long moment before finally producing one last dagger and presenting it to Jen. Yeah, you can just drop that on the ground. It was late by the time Nia returned to the camp near Freehold. Nelson awaited her by her tent. Hello, Nelson. Is something the matter? Well, I, you know, I was just going to talk to you earlier, but I saw you were praying, so you know, I, I don't want to bother you. That was considerate of you. Are you sure you're all right? Um, Billy and Jen just wanted me to ask you uh, how we got here, so... Yes, I suppose our discussion did get cut a bit short the other day. And then with everything that's happened since... Yeah, that's what I mean. Is there any research we can do with everything all up in the air? There will be much to sort out come morning, but there is little to be done tonight. You will have my help, though, of course, when the time is right. I would not abandon you. Yeah, I, I know. Thanks. If that's all for now... Look, I'm, I'm sorry I got kind of mad before. Think nothing of it. We've had a stressful day. It's, it's easy to forget how different our lives are, so... Funny. I feel I am often reminded how different our lives are. It's kind of kick-ass. You know, that, that you get to look like you look and go your whole life and never feel less than anyone because of it, it's... You're living the dream. Shouldn't have to take all my problems. Some would argue that that is precisely the role of a priest. But I take your point and accept your apology. Good night. Hey, are, um... Are you okay? I am very frightened, Nelson. You must understand... Whatever their motives, or virtues, or vices, the elves are the nexus of power in this world. If things are as you say, 
then those of us unwilling to ignore enormous evil must spend the rest of our likely short and brutish lives fighting a nigh unwinnable war. And in that case, I would advise you and your friends to leave here as soon as you can. I wouldn't do that. This is my fight too. Please, I don't want any of you to have to live through such times. Me neither, but... But that is not for us to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. That is very beautifully said. No, it's not mine. Even uh, white South Africans have good ideas sometimes. Sometimes. Get some rest, Nelson. If you believe in prayer, pray for wisdom and courage and strength. But above all else, pray that you are mistaken. On the road west from the White Forest, Yellowin rode with his new travelling companion, Devard. Well, 14 new travelling companions if you count the pigeons, not a one of which seemed to appreciate the value of a contemplative silence. So back to Duel of Crones. I dare say Gale of Winds is by far the strongest book in the whole series. Don't you agree? As I have said, I only made it halfway through Ash That Sings. Ah, yes! Well, you really ought to get through it. That second book can be a bit of a bore sometimes, but it is worth it to set up the third. Ah, yes. Well, for perhaps the sixth time, my Caltea duties have eaten into my leisure time of late. Oh, yes, you must tell me more about that when we've the time. I can say I miss my former traveling companions more and more with each passing minute. I'd be happy to lend you my copy so you can catch up, but we need to ask for it when the next pigeon goes out. Sorry to say, now I have only ants on wagons with me. Wagons? That's not truly the title of the fifth book, is it? Oh, yes. When the prince comes from the east to court, he brings with him a collection of female family members to aid his finding a mate. But the prince's closest aunt is framed for the murder of Smaller Deke, which is actually perpetrated by... Oh. Dave. Apologies, I forgot you've not read that far. Truth be told, Shrew that knows is most likely the weakest work of the series. So much time is devoted to coronation ceremony of Prince Victor. But why would Prince Victor be crowned? I guess you'll have to wait and see. Unless... Ah, King Valentine dies, doesn't he? Maybe. Damn it, Dave. Do you think we could stop for a moment, David? Nature must run its course. Ah, yes, of course. Yellowin walked until he was a comfortable distance from Devard, which under the circumstances was rather far indeed. Best be careful! This reminds me of when the Watchmen of the Ward are attacked by the dark demons at the end of book... Oh, sorry! <sighs> Only then did he open the hidden pouch on his belt. Yelodik, you are truly a lifesaver. He placed a sizable helping of root inside his cheek you know, that good good, and walked back towards the road. Feeling better? An unbidden smile began pulling at the corner of Yellowin's lips. You know, I think I am. Dave, I believe I would like to hear your synopsis. You would? Are you sure you're ready? By now, Yellowin's face and his eyes had begun to glaze over. Oh, yes. Perhaps we could do it over a meal. I'm quite hungry. It 
was a late hour as Brennan found himself wandering the keep's halls. In spite of the time, the men there scurried busily, repairing the fortifications, transporting equipment. But Brennan seemed to pay them no mind. It was a while, therefore, before Brennan came to realize where he had wandered to, the entrance to Bryce Riverfell's study. The two guardsmen posted outside started to attention at Brennan's arrival. Sir! Oh, oh, <clears throat> yes, uh, an audience with Riverfell. Send him in, gents. Right, go ahead. Chaos below. Was that the General Brennan? I never thought I'd live to see the day. Don't act so surprised. It's vulgar. Oh, right. I used to be an adventurer like him. Then I took an arrow in Yeah, the... we know, Egbert. Not a day goes by we don't hear about your damn knee. It hurts. The until recently respectable study of General Bryce Riverfell was looking considerably worse for the wear of battle. The walls were damaged, papers were strewn about, and prominent on Riverfell's desk was a near-finished bottle of brown liquid, the scent of which hung sweet and heavy in the air. Nevertheless, Brennan ceremoniously dipped his head as he entered, and Bryce saluted. Sir Brennan. Uh, Commander Riverfell, I request an audience with you. Audience with me? What songs are we playing? Songs? I don't <laughs> It's a joke. We can still joke, can't we? Uh, apologies. I find myself slow to laugh of late, General. You should try. Sometimes it's all we've got. And I think you can call me Bryce in here. Drink? No, thank you. Suppose that's presumptuous of me, now that you outrank me and all. It's not that. I'd just rather have my head clear tonight. Mm. You know, it's funny. One thing I promised myself long ago to never do is sit in a room by myself and get drunk. So I got my old man and it's nowhere I want to go. But after this last battle, oh, truth be told, sometimes I feel so weak I want to explode. Bryce threw back his drink. <coughs> I'll uh, thank you not to bring me up on slovenly conduct charges. You've survived the nigh-impossible challenge, General. Few would think less of you. A real challenge still to come, I think. Rebuilding, you mean? That's part of it. How's, uh, how's things by you? One of yours was wounded the other day, if memory serves. Well, we got to her in time to save her life. And she seems herself again. All we dare pray for, I guess. If there's any help I can offer... I thank you, Bryce. I know you've little to spare right now. I'd have nothing without you and yours bailing us out. Just doing my duty. Right then, I shan't take any more of your time. Brennan turned to leave. Eh. Really all that brought you here in the middle of the night? Brennan stopped, but did not turn back around just yet. What do you fight for, Bryce? That is a good question, Brennan. I've always said it's for the farmer who's counting on me to fight so he can just raise his crops in peace and kiss his wife at night. I would have been him if my life broke just a little different. A fine reason, I suppose. Why don't you have a seat? What's troubling you, soldier to soldier? My whole life. I always fought for him, King Gunther, that is. Peace will be his rest. 
Bryce had the sense to wait in silence for the grizzled night to continue. I had barely eleven years when I took my first life. Templars of discord burned my village, killed my father. One of them, our neighbor, was captured alive. I buried my axe in her black heart. My rage was all I had back then. Then his majesty took me in, fed me, sheltered me, raised me higher above my birth than I ever dared dream. When he said someone needed to die, I killed them, still with that boyish rage. And by the time the rage faded, I'd grown used to killing. I never had to wonder if I was doing the right thing. If Gunther asked it, I knew in my heart it was good and just. You, uh, admired him very much. <laughs> my admiration for him was so vast that it would sometimes take my breath away. If you've never been in the presence of royalty, I do not think you can understand what that's like. And now he's gone, and you're wondering why you still are fighting. I've been telling myself that as long as I can fight for his line... Brennan caught himself. His legacy, that is. By combating the damned usurper Redmore. Our Del Redmore on the high throne is something we should all take pains to avoid. <sighs> it's a privilege you had, though, Brennan. Not all soldiers get to serve someone they admire. Brennan caught the briefest flicker in Bryce's eyes just then. The look of a man realizing he may have said too much. Do you not admire who you serve? Like I said, I prefer to think my master is the common farmer trying to put food on the table. I admire him. Aye, but you took your oath before the elves and the lords of men. <laughs> Do you not admire them? If you hadn't noticed, uh, my answer was what men of our trade might call a tactical retreat. But Bryce saw by the look in Brennan's eyes that he would not relent. I keep my oath. I hold my fort. No one ever said admiration was a job requirement. But surely you think their cause is just. Which one? Defending your people. Our people against the Orc hordes. Yeah. Well, that's what's been fucking with me since the battle. Let me ask you, did you notice the weapons the orcs carried into battle? I fought several bearing steel. I had presumed that they had taken them off of our fallen by the time I arrived. They were certainly ours, but I don't think they were taken off our fallen. See, the smith I commissioned them from, I bought from him before, a fellow from Ironhurt's lands. Decent man, good for his word. So he and I took reasonable precautions against theft. Only people who know who those weapons were for and where they were being stored were me, him, and the one patrol I sent to collect them who never came back. And even they didn't know what they were picking up. So the smith gave up the secret. How else could Traft have gotten them? Poor devil. I can only imagine what tortures the orc... We found the smith among the war dead on the orc front lines. Shot full of elf darts. Until the day he died, Brennan would swear that a frigid breeze blew through the damaged wall just then and chilled his bones. All I can say is that there was no wind. Some spell of the Templars the might Templars have Templars been... had that kind of magic. You think they'd use it once and only once on a backwoods tradesman without a minute of combat training? Though we should that, talk about the Templars' that, interest in that your... That treasonous whore, son! Betraying his kinsmen for... For what? 
A handful of gems? I'm sorry you misjudged him so badly, Bryce. Clearly he was the furthest thing from a decent man. Brennan, I trusted that man because his family was killed in an orc raid a couple years back. That sound like the makings of a mercenary to you? What? What could possess a man to do that? I don't know, but I imagine it's not too far off from what made Traft the way he is. Traft is a half-breed savage. So they say. But we met him. He really seemed that savage to you? Shit, he was less fixin' for a fight than you and I were. Ah, enough of this damnable orc-loving nonsense. Not you as whip. Not you, Bryce. I'm not saying we should paint our faces blue and start burning things. Traft was stringing up little kids. I'm not going to sit here and defend that. I'm just saying, if that shy little kid we met all those years ago could turn into Traft, and if this smith I know who lost his whole family could go along with him, then there is some very big part of this picture that you and I have not seen. So what then? Throw up our hands and surrender just because maybe we're wrong? You came to me. You asked me what I fight for, and I'm telling you honestly, I'm not quite sure. Used to be enough, just isn't anymore. I think the best thing you can do right now is to just get used to that. Bryce went to pour himself another drink. You're not making sense. Stop rotting your brain. But Brennan swiped the bottle out of his hand. And in the wake of the crash, there was a stunned silence. I'm very sorry, Bryce. I should go. But before he could... The guards from the hallway barged in. What's happened? It's all right, gents. I lost my grip, is all. The guards shared a sceptical look between them. I'm fine. If you say so, sir. There's a girl here to see you, by the way. What girl? Seems I really should be going. She's come on the supply train from Bailey's Inn. Think it was one of those two what rode with you before the battle. No shit. Send her in. Brennan, I think you will want to be here for this. You'll see now, lassie. Why, who is she? Galadon's mercy. Gwen. At the horse's head inn, Arlene was doing her best to tend to her duties. It was nearly the middle of the night, and most of the patrons had left or gone to bed. But there were still a few in need of service. Sister, be a dear and top me off. And how about one of them cherry tarts? The world may be going to Gradian's arsehole, but it won't see me off without a bit of sweetness to lighten the journey. Right away, sir. You're lucky I think there are only a few left. They've been quite popular. Summer on your tongue, Ma Bailey says. You seem familiar. You haven't been with Bailey long, have you? Not very long, no. Funny. I could swear I've seen you before. But then I get around, I do. Merrill H. Marigold, of Merrill's Mystical Moving Emporium. You heard of me, yes? I'm afraid I haven't. I led a very isolated life before... before I came here. Nonsense. I've sold to you before. I have. I'd never forget a face so pretty. Young girls do love their ribbons and bobs. It was up at the castle, I think. Gods, I'm so sorry. No, 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 let me. I'll clean it up right away. Just please don't tell Ma Bailey. Come now, don't worry your pretty little head. When war times come, it's tough to hold on to anything good. Things get all messy. I thought when I first came here that my life was finally about to begin. It seemed like heaven. <laughs> well, that's the first time anyone said that about a Bailey establishment. Sweet tots and sour beer? Yeah. 
But heaven, that's another inn, I think. You should have seen how I used to live. But then all the fighting started. And this baby, I feel as if I haven't slept in weeks. As if on cue, the child, which slept in a basket near the bar, began to wail. Arlene rushed to quiet it before Miss Bailey could hear its cries. Even covered in spilled beer. You remind me of my own mother. Actually, it's probably because of the spilled beer, if I'm being honest. Well, that and the song. It was a favorite of hers. Well, I'm not the mother of this child. His mother died. Poor little thing. It is a hard thing to lose a parent so young. I thought I did the right thing taking him in. Now I'm not so sure. He cries and cries, and nothing seems to soothe him, save singing. I cannot lose my place here. I have nowhere else to go. Perhaps it was in memory of his own mother, or perhaps our Merrill was getting soft in his old age, or perhaps, as I like to think, despite all evidence to the contrary, there are still folk who will do good for no other reason than because it pleases them to do so. Merrill began to dig through his large pack, After a few moments of rustling, he produced a small wooden box. When he opened it, a soft, tinny music floated out. Ah, there. You see? Sweet sounds do tame the savage beast. Oh, how lovely. Wherever did you find such a thing? Hither and yon, my lass. Hither and yon. It is yours, if you want it. I doubt I could pay you what you'd ask for it. I ask for nothing. Think of it as a kindness paid in turn for your own. Thank you. And if you happen to mention that you got this magical box from the great Merrill's Mystical Moving Emporium, well, I shan't stop you. Me, oh my. Never thought I'd see the day. Why, what is it? At the sound of the horn, Bailey burst in from the kitchen in a near panic. Anna, run and get the finery. We've important guests. Who? See for yourself. Through the threshold of the horse's head in, Arlene saw six riders approaching, opalescent armor shimmering in the moonlight. Those, my lass, are the Knights of the Wood. That standard they fly is for the Lord Commander's personal guard. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Klaas and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky Anya Gibeon Ian Harkins Paul Notice Juliet Prather Frank Quares Julie Reed 
Gregory M. Schultz. And guest starring Zach Valenti as Meryl. Production audio recording by Jared Paul, with second unit recording this chapter by Zach Valenti. Editing by Josh Perot. Post-production mixing and sound design by Garrett Schultz. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit. (laughs) 